0: Desperately Seeking Cinema. Desperately Seeking Cinema. Desperately Seeking Cinema. Knight's Camera. castaway have you ever seen that i've never seen castaway that. uh i think i have yeah yeah um not that good tom hanks reminds me of something we were just talking about when i got here which is i think movies that uh people get a little too excited about in the moment and i think arguably one of those is forrest gump i think maybe that i don't think that movie's as good as people thought it was when it it's first pretty came entertaining out. is it I haven't watched it for many years, probably twenty years.
1: It's it's astounding how they managed to fit all that crap in (laughs) a couple hours. (laughs) Like he's playing ping pong, he's meeting JFK, he's getting AIDS, he's getting you know, he's meeting Lieutenant Dang, he's Bubba Shrimpin, he's in New York. When I, um, when I
0: think about it in retrospect. Running about, across the country. It just seems absolutely absurd. When I think about it in now, having not seen it for 20 years, just or whatever, however long it's been, where it's like, it's just such an absurd idea that this one character would live that life. I mean, it's a- outrageous. Right off the bat, it's just like, it kind of is like, my suspension of disbelief is like starting to go out the window and I just think about the basic plot about this guy witnessed every important you know, all of these super important moments in the 20th century over the course of his lifetime. Like, it's just like, what are you even talking about? Like,
1: um, I don't know. I feel like there's actually kind of a tradition in literature of doing that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go super like what's an example? I don't know. I was just thinking about this work by Voltaire, if I can remember Ooh. what it is. Um, Candide. Yeah. I've read, I've read, I've read Candide. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, like, but I don't know that in Candide, you Dante know, or something like. It's like they're going through levels and meeting all these different persons, or like uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
0: but in Candide, I don't think it's like you know he meets every important person of his day over the course of twenty five years. Just he happens to be at like this battle, and then he's serving in like it's, I don't know. You know what I mean? Kind of like, yeah. Like I think it's, it, uh I think.
1: That's kind of a tradition, though, to uh, conflate a bunch of stories into one story. I think It's just
0: corny. Do you know what I, I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's they not kind saying of this they, is what happened. They kind of did a Black Forest Gump a couple years ago. I've never seen it, but it's Black called... Black Forest Ham. It's called, oh boy, oh dear. What'd you say? It's called the Butler, I think, and it was this huge movie, and you know, Oprah endorsed it, and basically, it was Black Forest Gump. It was like a movie that was fictitious about uh, an African American man who works in the white house and like over the course of his whole life. And he witnesses every major event that happened in 20th century America in the white house. Cause he worked there for his whole, like, it's just a ridiculous Forrest Gump type um, premise. You know, it's like basically was black Forrest Gump as far as I know. <laughs> um, that sounds and not I real. just, I just think, Oh, it's a huge movie. It like made like, tons of money and was probably nominated for Oscars and it's just I just I don't know I don't like these uh, movies where the protagonist is he was in Vietnam and then he was in the Oval Office and then he met Muhammad Ali or whatever it is it's like yeah right like most people aren't going to do one of these things let alone 20 of them or whatever you know yeah (laughs) well I guess that's the thing about bad movies maybe
1: maybe Forrest is like the one percent where he's just like he, he just attains more wealth and social gains, the more he's... Oh, hit the mic stand. The more he's, you know, accumulated, Uh the more it's easy for him to
0: accumulate. I know, but even if you do, like, even if you accumulate wealth and contacts, it doesn't mean, you know, it's not like every celebrity's met. Most of them still haven't met whoever it is, like Meryl Streep. Like, even like, household name celebrities would be excited to meet Meryl Streep. It's not like they're just hanging around All these important people and events all the time. Life isn't like that. I'm going to redeem
1: Forrest Gump right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I think the premise behind Forrest Gump is that a regular person who is not known, Uh who doesn't make the Time 100, you know, could
0: actually be Uh the most influential person in the world. Sure, but I just... I just think it's corny and uh, not what you're saying I think the idea of this one person being associated with or present for tons of really important cultural <laughs> like events and connected to the people it's just it's ridiculous oh yeah it's completely ridiculous yeah yeah, but, people, but it's probably um, a great feel-good movie. I mean, I think for gumtastic exa- fans, that's exactly it. It's a feel-good movie. Um, what, what did you have any ideas? of What movie we could watch um, for today's
1: episode? We were kind of talking a little bit midweek about um, maybe we'll
0: seeing something that one of us has seen before. Yeah, I, I, I think if the movie came up and you know that's fine. If someone was like, "What about this one?" and the person hadn't watched it like the previous <laughs> what day, do you mean, someone <laughs> it's one of us. Yeah, no, I mean if one of us were were like uh what about this one and the other person hadn't watched it like 2 weeks ago so that cuz they don't not going to want to sit through it again obviously right away no. probably. But um yeah, well I brought with me a couple of Blu-rays. Yeah. Criterion Blu-rays. Um I brought a cast of Eddie's movie called Shadows from 1959. One oh, okay. of one of his known movies which I've never seen. And then um you know it's relatively known i think it fits our fits the bill for desperately seeking cinema by the way i'm jimmy barnes <laughs> i'm andy here rankin here with andy rankin and um i also brought an early 90s stephen soderberg movie called king of the hill which is a, also a criterion blue <laughs> uh, yeah well you, you know, i had to wow yeah you really had to dig deep for that one and it's um <laughs> Referred to on, you know, Wikipedia and by critics as a criminally overlooked Steven Soderbergh movie from the early 90s. And it was because he had uh, done Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which was huge and launched his career. And it was like his first Hollywood movie because Sex, Lies, and Videotape was independent. So this King of the Hill one is his first Hollywood movie and whatever. Nobody ever talks about it. And people say... And Steven Soderbergh, he's one of my favorite directors. Is it
1: criminally underrated? Who is that?
0: Yeah, that's what people... That's what it says on the Wikipedia. Uh, It says, criminally overlooked Steven Soderbergh movie. Um, And I think he's amazing. Like, I think he's a super, super good director. Um, I love Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And, I mean, he's got a bunch of good stuff. I think his most popular thing is oceans 11 probably, but he's, we were
1: talking about, he came up because he directed that, um, Che Guevara
0: film. He did. Yeah. Yeah. I looked um, this morning and he's directed like 30 features or something like that. Like a lot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Uh, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the ones that I had is this Cassavetes one and this Soderbergh one. One of them, Old, certainly a little bit older than the other, but the Soderbergh one I think is ninety-three or something like that. He wrote and directed it. It's about a kid who is like his mom's gone and his dad's always gone, and he sort of has to. It's a a Depression-era movie where this kid has to sort of forge for himself with no parents in this hotel or some strange thing like this. He's sort of left to his own devices in the Depression. And has to sort of forge an identity as he's going through his adolescence with no parents. Basically, is what I think the premise is. What about you? Any ideas for what to watch today? Those are my two. I brought a couple of Blu-rays in my rucksack. Yeah, we haven't done a '90s film yet. Um, the cast of Eddie's one is sort of jazz era. Uh, like it, he shot it in the late '50s, and it's about like uh, interracial relationships in the U S which I guess we kind of covered a little bit on Ali. Yeah, but I'm sure it's um, very different. Oh, I will say before not to interject, but the thing I read on the, the wiki on this cast of Eddie's movie is people call it this, this single film they refer to as a, a, potentially like one of the first, the forerunners of independent cinema. Cause it's like late fifties. And I think is. I don't know a lot about Cassavetes, but I think he was a real trailblazer in terms of independent movies. And the pe- people call this one one of the early, if not the early, example of what became independent um, cinema after that. so
1: All right. Well, let's just, like, decide... These will be the next three episodes in whatever order we'll do them. Because I, I have one in mind as well.
0: Yeah, which one? Which one are you thinking? Um, I
1: was thinking I'd introduce you to Tarkovsky through maybe his first film, which right. he made when he was one year older than I am right now, oh, thirty. My God, wow! Okay, and he's only three. He was fresh out of film school, only three years out of film school. Wow! The, the Rotten Tomatoes is one hundred percent. Oh, I bet it is. And. Um, yeah, it won awards the at, the, at the time. Yeah, the tomato meter is off the charts. And it's his first feature? It's his first feature, yeah, and he was 30 at the time, and it was it won awards What's in, it called? Sorry. in uh, Venice. It's called Ivan's Childhood. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, it's from 1962, and it's like
0: 90 minutes exactly. Oh, I love so, it. But, I um, was just about to ask. I was worried it was going to be, you know, 236 no. minutes.
1: <laughs> no, he's got those, though. And, um, but they're still bangers, even though they're, yeah,
0: well, as we've talked about, and I don't know how established this has been on this show up to this point, but Andy is a very big fan of Tarkovsky and I have only seen Solaris and it's been some time since I had seen it. And I, he's someone I've always meant to, to, to delve into. And I just, I don't think I've even seen Stalker and I really need to like watch some Tarkovsky. So,
1: yeah. Um. And I don't want to pretend that I just like found out about him in a vacuum, you know. Like people introduced him to me, filmmakers and stuff. Like oh, this of course. I met. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I didn't just like learn Russian and was like, oh, no, he's this guy he Tarkovsky's knows, uh, probably
0: the most. He, is he not the most famous Russian uh, filmmaker? I would think. I think probably. He's probably I would a- say maybe Eisenstein and then probably Tarkovsky, but I, um, I would I would think. I would argue maybe Tarkovsky oh by the way there's a tie in there because Steven Soderbergh directed the Solaris remake uh, yeah now that okay. I think of it which I haven't seen I think it's Clooney and whatever um, yeah
1: it is uh, um, I haven't seen the remake but I have seen the original mm. and um, not my favorite film of his but um, yeah I, uh, I can see how Hollywood would just take it and butcher it and you know it's like uh, on paper, it's still brilliant, you know,
0: I find it odd that directors make the choice to do that. Like I don't I've always been a bit baffled by Gus van Sant deciding to do that shot by shot remake of psycho i just don't really understand why gus oh, I didn't, van sant I didn't even know that yeah it's got vince vaughn and whatever and i don't know why oh, he would oh. like why would gus van sant want to do right. that why would steven soderbergh want to remake solaris is it like just because is it as simple sometimes that george clooney in the studio goes hey do you want 10 million bucks because we're doing this with or without you and i he, think it's something like you know,
1: uh, like guns and roses doing like live and let die you know uh, <laughs> it's like we think we could make this the sound real good you know this I is guess. so us this is so up our alley i forgot about that cover <laughs> yeah and uh um, <laughs> just wholly unnecessary yeah or knocking on heaven's door also by guns N' roses
0: yeah no that's uh, but, uh i mean i i with the music thing i get a cover a little bit more than dedicating months on end to like a like i say like A filmmaker who by all accounts is celebrated and original like a Gus Van Sant like what possesses him to go how about we take this highly respected movie that a lot of people would call a masterpiece already and what is the point of yeah redoing it I don't know it's a it's an odd one maybe people overestimate themselves oh I'm sure they do (laughs) I'm sure they do well I mean yeah. everyone does but and then there's the, the like like i say god knows what the paycheck could be or who's offering them what and you just go well i just bought this House in the Hollywood Hills. That some some something's got to pay for this. Yeah. Well, honestly, there's
1: probably um, they meet with their agents or producers or executives, and they say, "All right, we want to offer you a three-picture deal. What are your ideas?" You know, and they're like, "Well, I can do Oceans Eleven. I could do a a Tarkovsky remake, and I could do uh, Oceans
0: Twelve. Yeah. (laughs) You know, skip Eleven. Yeah." Um, yeah and you and I'm sure that any director is looking at it like what did I do last and um, how much money did it make and if you want to stay relevant you got to make those suits money baby yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but you, uh, you you really do or they're just going to be like thanks for coming out like yeah you know Um, we were talking about Orson Wells when I first got here and I think that was a thing he would they say that Orson Wells would make a movie for the studio so then he could go and that he would use that money to fund making what he wanted to make for yeah, himself. Yeah, there, there
1: does seem to be, uh, like, an adage in film, like, make one for you, one for them, yeah, one for you. Yeah, I've heard um, of that
0: cliche, and I, yeah, for sure, and I've definitely heard about people talk about Orson Welles in that context. Now, all right, well, those sound all, like, really good options for um, episode six. Yeah, um, I think we could talk, why don't we just do, like,
1: uh, Soderbergh and Targovsky and try to tie those together since we, you know, they're yeah. tied together through the remake and then um,
0: Yeah, and then we can always uh, watch out other the Cassavetes. Cassavetes is somebody else I just have not explored Then we'll just I go really on a deep like to. indie film tip. Yeah, yeah, um, with Cassavetes you mean. Yeah. yeah, well yeah, I think go as American. I say, this this Soderbergh one is his what they call his first Hollywood movie, uh, uh, post Sex, Lies, and Videotape and then uh, Tarkovsky. I wonder if he had a budget for this thing for his first movie. It were, I looked it up. It was one point two rubles. One point two rubles. Thing. I wonder where yeah. that translates to in U.S. dollars, adjusted for inflation. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably yeah. like five million dollars or something. Yeah, like it,
1: I know it's like at least twice as much as six hundred thousand rubles.
0: I I would be interested to look. Like, I, I uh, did he make it for? is it like a super low budget movie or or, or did, do you get the sense that it's not super low budget his
1: first uh i think it's pretty low budget but it's one of those films by it's, it's by most film you know so it's like uh-huh. it, it got the um got some funding internet well not internationally nationally but you know by the soviet union and Everything it's called ivan
0: live. goes to school what's it called
1: <laughs> it's called <laughs> Ernest <laughs> goes west Ernest. oh man <laughs> gotta love that series um but uh
0: fiable goes west um ivan's what's it called childhood. Ivan's, big ad- ivan's childhood <laughs> big adventure big de- okay. uh oh <laughs> um ivan's childhood yeah you want to do it yeah, well, what do you think? Ivan's Childhood versus, what did I suggest? King of another movie about childhood. King yeah. of the Hill. Yeah, so the, that even ties them together even more. We mm-hmm. can. Um, well, why don't we do the Tarkovsky one? That's fine. All right. Yeah, all right. So I guess uh, episode six of this show is going to be <laughs> Tarkovsky. Of Ivan's, this show. Ivan's Big Childhood. <laughs> that you're going to say, uh, oh, all right. <laughs> Ivan's childhood. I
1: want to introduce you to this director legitimately.
0: Well, I mean it. Uh, yeah. It, it's like I've only seen and one of his movies. Like you were saying yeah, was I it Soderbergh
1: you're saying did 30 films? Yeah. All right, this guy did yeah. 7 and then died. Ooh, how did Tarkovsky
0: pass away? Um, thyroid cancer, if I Oh, I'm not and you had mentioned on a previous episode it may or may not be uh, linked to this Toxic waste dump that they made in uh, Stalker or whatever it was, right? Yeah, nailed it. Yikes.
1: Ooh. Yeah.
0: Uh, Okay. That was in
1: 79. So this is 62. Ivan's childhood. Stalker. Stalker was 79. His last film, 86. That was Mm. Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. This is his first
0: film. Boy, you're a big fan. Three years. Fair enough.
1: Three years out of film school. Fair
0: enough. 30, 30 years old. Yeah man okay well uh yeah if anyone wants to uh i think watch you're gonna
1: it, be impressed everybody i just hate
0: it <laughs> no i'm sure it's <laughs> so uh, i've been meaning to watch some tarkovsky or, so yeah Or we could watch hank hill Ah, uh, boy yeah you did that <laughs> no all right um okay so if anyone wants to watch it we're about to go watch ivan's childhood all right So, we uh, watched another uh, dark movie there. Another Most uh, pretty bleak, I will say, for my first venture into a Tarkovsky movie. In I would think probably it's been probably like fifteen or seventeen years since I watched Solaris, which, as I mentioned before, is the only Tarkovsky movie I've seen. And uh, yeah, that was pretty bleak. That was pretty. I was expecting it to be slow and meditative. I knew enough about him that I was expecting it to be like it was. Like, it's pretty... uh, The pace of it is pretty slow, and it's uh, uh, beautifully shot and everything. Uh, But bleak, pretty dark, not a lot of humor in that one. No, no humor. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) In Soviet Russia, joke makes you. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) and you said what that that was about in in your uh in all your years of being into movies and into Tarkovsky that was about like the third time maybe you think that you had seen that movie third
1: time at most um I haven't seen all of his films that many times it's just uh they were like a transformative experience every time and um
0: yeah I mean I I I know that you're a big fan of it obviously because you're as we've established you're Tarkovsky fan I would have to say that I really liked it. I think it's one of those movies, uh, we've had these before, where I feel like it's going to have to resonate. Percolate. Percolate. It was very dreamlike. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, he literally, there were scenes that were supposed to be dreams, but I I meant even outside of the scenes that were literally dreams, like his style was, again, the pace is pretty slow and meditative, but it felt dreamlike and the shots were credible you know incredible like the cinematography was was amazing for a first feature as you mentioned it was wholly impressive i mean it was you know
1: yeah the um the main actor he appears again in andre rublev which is the next film that uh tarkovsky did four years later mm. which is like maybe his most famous one of his most famous yeah along with Solaris but, um, probably yeah it's one of my favorite films if not my favorite film really yeah wow and, uh, it's made four years later it's a it's a bit longer but um, yeah it, it has Sola Stitz in, um, the oh, I'm, what are you trying to think of an actor's name yeah I feel like I'm mispronouncing it slightly but that wouldn't be anything new to the series right but uh, anyway oh. yeah but uh, the guy that plays Andre Rublev, he he um, he's in Stalker later. So yeah,
0: Tarkovsky likes to use the same, same actors, actors. Yeah, has yeah. a lot of he's great directors, of directors do. do. Yeah. yeah, a lot of directors of that. Yeah, no, that was. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was. Uh, it was our second black and white film as well? <laughs> that's true, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh. Oh. And on that's a good point. Actually, I wanted to bring that up. This movie was 1962. Is that right? Yeah. So we're talking about. Uh, 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 a feature uh, his first feature being a conscious effort to make a black and white movie yeah uh are all of the uh Tarkovsky's other movies color after that um I mean the majority of them are yeah I would they're think, right? they're
1: color but they're a lot of them are very sparse color come <laughs> to think of it but um but I'm they're color. Way. Another theme, yeah. Another theme, uh, I guess, that is like recurring through Tarkovsky's picture uses like the elements a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like wind and water and uh, fire and things.
0: Well, I him. was just, yeah, I um, just on the black and white thing. I just thought that's an interesting choice. It's a pretty like arty and choice. Shadow play. He to, also uh, plays with shadows yeah, a lot, which would um, make sense to to for, to do your first feature in black and white if that's sort of the vision that you had. Yeah. To experiment with that. Um, Yeah. There's uh, what, what are some of the more recent popular black and white movies? The artist was black and white. That was a big, the artist. Yeah. won Um, a bunch of Oscars and whatever. I'm just trying to think there's stuff over the year, you know, for, for, you know, there's the odd thing. People don't make that choice very often. Woody Allen did a great job with that. I guess Manhattan is black and white. Um and that movie looks amazing. Jim Jarmusch. Have you ever seen Dead Man, the, um, the Johnny I Depp movie with uh, that Jim Jarmusch did? No. Neil Young soundtrack. I know. Um, Black Tiff is showing One of his films
1: pretty soon with um like Tom Waits and uh, yeah. a bunch of people.
0: Yeah. Um, what film is that? Yeah. Which one? Dead Man.
1: Uh, I don't know. What? No. What we asking? Which M- film? Which film did Jim Jarmusch do with the uh, Tom Waits and stuff?
0: oh um i don't know we'd have to google it but um, uh let's google it no that's a good movie though um yeah tom waits is a good actor but anyway so on um yeah, saying, uh, yeah down by law that's sorry. a that's <laughs> another black and white movie
1: yeah uh tiff is showing that tiff is yeah.
0: actually sh- actually showing
1: a couple movies i was thinking maybe we could do a, a jaunt to the theater a episode tiff trip. yeah uh they're showing talante in like a month what's that um it's an
0: italian film if you didn't uh well we that's a good idea but we should maybe we, let's we, let's go back to the, the the movie at hand here this um oh it's a 1934 french film ivan's I've heard childhood I, I mean that uh, what do you what do you think i mean you 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 obviously really like as we've said you like tarkovsky in yeah a general i mean sense. Uh, spoilers you know
1: if you didn't watch the movie by now you don't understand our podcast but um <laughs> yeah yeah no you can still watch it but yeah when they um yeah when uh the officer is looking through the lieutenant's looking through um the photos and just post-war yeah. after they've showed Goebel's whole family and everybody dead and you start to get a um it's like just when you're getting the um gravity for how much death there was and destruction, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Then they throw Ivan's, you know, oh, face across with the oof. the hung and shot. Harsh. That was one of the most gutting moments in like film for me. I think. Oh but, yeah, uh,
0: no, I kind of, um yeah, no, I could see that. It was very bleak. The whole movie was quite bleak, actually. except for the. Dream I mean, it's a World War Two right? film. Yeah, they were they were very surreal and beautiful and. and uh, I also thought like um like uh Ivan's
1: relationship with Holin. Holin, am I saying yeah. this right? Yeah. Um yeah, Colin basically. It sounded uh-huh. like the But with the soldier. Yeah, it was so warm and like uh it was such a contrast, like in the early scene when he first shows up and he's like asking for number fifty one. Yeah. at hq he's being very cold and you're ma- immediately like he's acting like a hardened adult this child like oh yeah and i, I was just hesitating and saying like yeah you, you basically got it like that's what it is uh, ivan's basically like it's like an ironic title like it's ivan's childhood. oh it's like yeah. he doesn't have a child no
0: and and he plays with the idea at the beginning and the end of the movie that he had a very short-lived one kind of you yeah. know and then yeah, that was a w- really bleak part of the movie. It was like uh, innocence lost very quickly. It's like it opens. He There's these beautiful shots. His serene, you know, the serenity with his mother and the countryside and everything. And then it very quickly, it's like goes right to that scene where he wakes up and the way that it's shot, you can just invoke right away that like his mom's gone. You know that it's wartime. You, yeah. you can all right away you assur- assume Germans, you know, the Nazi killed his mom, and he's. But man, his performance as this <laughs> kid who is grown up overnight because his whole family's killed in the yeah. war is something else. And was that not as good a child performance as you've ever seen? Oh, it was up there with Home Alone and Home Alone Two. <laughs> Lost um, in New York. No, it was really affecting. <laughs> in though. Dagestan. Was a, uh, yeah. his name was Nikolai
1: Burlaev.
0: Is he still with us? Let's Google this guy. Yeah, he's oh. still alive. and he um, is, 72 years
1: old oh, now. He was actually born the day before me. Born um, in Moscow. Yeah, but uh, Moscow. it's born actually... Moscow. Oh, yeah, he's married to Natalia Bondar. I don't know who that is. Um, well, no, me neither. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's... Yeah expressed That he's orthodox, repeatedly, sharply expressed his negative attitude towards people with non traditional sexual orientation. Oh, calls he himself calls a himself a
0: homophobe. That's unfortunate. Well, sure, yeah. he's probably not going to be welcome in LA anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's like some sort of minister or something. Well, I do not want to get into talking about Russia and homophobia on this podcast, but uh, he's been the
1: founder of. <laughs> Of the Moscow Film Festival of Slavic uh, and Orthodox people, the homophobic
0: film festival. Great. <laughs> um, well, you he, know how they he, are. no, but he, him as a child, anyways, before he turned into whatever nightmare <laughs> um, shit he's up to these days. He, I mean, it was a very great performance from a child actor, and man, as we were saying, did he ever convey that loss of innocence like it was uh it was like he was ordering adults around yeah and he just came across like i said i was like the kids acting like a like a 47 year old man and he's like shooting <laughs> hard alcohol and yeah, absolutely. And he was. I've. I i do not know that I've ever seen in a movie a kid come across more hardened than that and assert himself in such an adult way. Yeah, absolutely. At, you know, twelve years old or whatever he he actually. Yeah, was. like put.
1: Yeah, he put like Dakota Fanning in the fucking sandbox, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's people that have it, like um, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Kirsten Dunst had it, you know, like it was yeah, like absolutely. N- n- there's these kids, and you're like. Good Lord, you watch them act, and it's like you can't teach that or whatever. And yeah, exactly. This right? this guy must have uh, had a bit of that when he was a kid because his performance was was really good. It, based on his Wikipedia, it doesn't look like his film career really blossomed. It looks like he was a no. child actor. And yeah, it's
1: well, I
0: child actor come
1: home. Once you hope. see Rublev, like his role in Rublev, although it's minor, yeah. it's like he almost steals the film. Hmm. and uh, he only he maybe only has like uh, like half an hour 20 minutes of screen time or something like that out of like a two and a half hour movie uh-huh and he's very and he's still a child at this point it's only four years after ivan's childhood oh, i see so he's like so a he's, teenager yeah or he's like 15 16 or uh-huh. something like that uh-huh. yeah almost steals the film so like his two he hit two absolutely out of the park um early on yeah and then, um he peaked early.
0: Yeah, he peaked early. Um, now I was gonna ask, do you know kind of a Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> yeah. Well, the cool Richie thing Rich, also excellent. The cool thing about Macaulay Culkin is that he, um, it, it, he was the one who turned his. I kind of love that about his story. He was the one who just turned his back on everyone. He was like, "This is a bunch of bullshit." <laughs> he did He's like Dave my, Chappelle before Dave Chappelle. Yo, he totally did. He, and as a did kid, he go to Africa? <laughs> take a lot of yeah, take a lot of guts. though, so, you know, he basically was like, "My dad's a nut." He was like, all these suits are out of their minds. I'm really? getting overworked. Wow. He was like this, you know. He's working like what kid wants to be on set fourteen hours a day, you know, if, like, six Gary days Coleman a week or somebody or like pulled him aside. Well, he apparently he just called, apparently Macaulay Culkin was just like, I'm done. Fuck you, Dad. Fuck you, suits and people lost their minds, as you can imagine. Yeah, he was so famous. I mean, he's hanging out with Michael Jackson. Which is something we don't need to get into, but he's like, he was one of the mo- more recognizable celebrities in the world at that time. And then he, as a kid, he just turned his back on all of it, which is a bizarre story, but um, it's something for, yeah. maybe, when we, when, maybe when we do a Macaulay Culkin movie. It could happen. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Could we happen. I can't think of any. Deep. Yeah, just you might have to dig the deep. The B-roll. Uh, um, I was going to ask you, going back to Tarkovsky you you being this uh being a big Tarkovsky fan obviously when we talk about ivan's childhood the the cinematography was amazing and the and uh is there a cinematographer that he worked with do you know like was there like a standard guy that he uh, he had for a photographer as he Um, made these six or seven features
1: or he did have a relationship with um who's this guy Yadim yusuf uh like a couple people I know, he used. Um, yeah, it yeah. looks like so he, Rublev, he, he It looks Solaris. like he was
0: he was there.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I know that there was a disagreement at some point. I don't know if it was with this guy Vadim Yusov, uh, or it, it was, um, or if it was with someone else. But I know for his last picture, which he filmed in Sweden, he went with
0: Bergman's. Um, oh cinematographer. wow! Okay, yeah. yeah, and I see Bergman's name popping up here it looks like this movie that we just watched uh people like bergman and other very high profile people at the time were, were super into it uh, yeah. which i could see christoph you know, klausky as well which i could um, see so um yeah, yeah the dream
1: sequences specifically seem very bergman-esque
0: yeah no right? i could see that i i it, i i thought of bergman more than once uh when we were watching the movie there were there were similarities, and I assume he was well aware of Bergman's stuff, obviously, at the time. And maybe there was some influence there. You know, I don't know much about Tarkovsky, but I w- I wouldn't be surprised if Bergman was an influence yeah, on him. Yeah, I think there were influences you know? on each other. Yeah, I would not be surprised at all. Uh, contemporaries, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, and really yeah, cool. apparently
1: when this was in the Venice Film Festival uh-huh. uh, as an entrant or whatever, it was up against Godard, Viva La civ- uh-huh. uh And this one got but,
0: uh, Yeah, this one won out against that. 72-minute so. standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh it, oh! It beat this actually won at the Venice Film Festival yeah, back Godard. in the early. Oh wow! And his first feature. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look, imagine the that, French okay. New Wave guy. So wow. yeah, it was, you you it, beat you, in you Italy. Ma- wow! So you it make big, your first feature and then you go and you win the 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 Super Bear or the gold whatever the prize is. Golden or the, lion the gold. or something. Super Bear. Super Bear? I think it is Golden I want Lion. That one. At the, <laughs> he won the Super Bear at the Venezuelan Care Bear 5000. Yeah. No, um, no, I think you're right. He won the, whatever it's called, the Golden Lion. But to win a prize of that uh, stature at your first feature is pretty impressive. I'd, I'm definitely going to watch more Tarkovsky. Um, yeah, um, I've been meaning to everybody
1: watch Andre Rublev
0: after this and just well, have your mind blown I would not be surprised if uh, if we're lucky enough to have anybody listening to this they're probably kind of nerdy about movies and I bet you a lot of that's a very quite a popular one I mean I even without having seen it had heard a lot about Andre Rublev that being, over the years you know, it's true but that being said it is like on paper
1: you're like this is sounds like not a watchable film Uh uh-huh and uh it turns out it's like a really beautiful
0: well i i'm you know i think that it's um, it's a movie about
1: a painter that paints jesus (laughs) You watch him paint basically you actually almost never watch
0: him paint i think you never see him paint Okay. Film. Well I was a bit worried that it was Spoiler. Um I was gonna say Actually, I think Tarkovsky I think Tarkovsky though, he kind of harkens back to a time where the mass audience surely had a little bit more patience for this style of filmmaking. Um, you saw that extend into the seventies. You have hits with movies like Chinatown and these movies, the conversation and these movies that like today's audiences, today's mass audiences would be like utterly perplexed by Chinatown. They'd be like, what's happening? And like, I'm, I'm supposed to pay attention or whatever it would be. You know, it would be, these, mo- these Hollywood movies of the 70s that were massive hits would be like art house like obscure <laughs> like they'd be well reviewed today but then they would not find the mass audience my point being I think that Tarkovsky after having seen Solaris and seeing uh, this movie and sort of understanding what he's like with pacing uh, he was probably making movies in, in a good time I think people, the average person had a little bit more of an attention span um, at that point, you yeah. know. Yeah.
1: Well, when Tarkovsky was making this film, and when he was seeing films, um, like during his childhood, he would have only seen Russian films uh-huh. because of the, uh, or like very little of films outside Russia because of the uh, because Just of the Stalin at that time. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. even uh, I guess it's post Khrushchev thaw, but I guess um. Uh-huh. Well, M- Moss Film, the, the production company that was, I guess, you know, a government-subsidized right. uh, project, they yeah. had to approve all of the projects, right? Oh, so God. So, it was really difficult to have anything yeah. critical of war or critical of the government. Of course, man. So, yeah. Um, just even in the country at all to yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you had to be wary of that as a filmmaker, as a screenwriter, as a cinematographer. You couldn't have iconography that was too critical. Wow. But. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. But yeah. So this movie, it kind of was talking about the human cost of war. Yeah. And the casualties and stuff like that. And it was critical with like in an indirect fashion, you know. And right. That
0: was, because he probably had to be. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and so, so there's an inherent subtleness uh, out so, of necessity. Yeah. Of, yeah, nostalgia.
1: Um, his second last film and the sac. Well, that was filmed in Italy, and Sacrifice was filmed in Sweden. Mm-hmm. Uh, he couldn't get funding towards the end in in Russia for Russian films. Wow, and um, yeah, they just um, I guess saw through it, <laughs> what he was trying to do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he would just rather not make films with them anymore and uh fair enough went outside got some outside people uh and made two two of his best films but uh yeah there's only seven so Mm -hmm. you can get through his films like relatively quickly and the last one it was the sacrifice yeah and what year would that have been uh 86 yeah yeah okay wow another i think those are my two like my two favorites the sacrifice and andre rublev and then stalker yeah, but um, like it's really hard. It's like picking like your favorite songs off, like sure, yeah, you know, the best. Al- your favorite album, you know?
0: No, I'm glad that you're so into him because, uh, you know, he's someone I had thought if, about. If you like this, getting into he's and just, just getting him. warmed up, yeah. Like in yeah. terms
1: of his his ability, like um, direction wise, and like the narratives, and like there was times when, um, shots were like he was doing like uh, there's like one. A couple particularly famous shots, and I think
0: uh in what the the movie that we just watched,
1: yeah, in Ivan's childhood,
0: you could probably almost
1: pick them out without me telling you what they are, you know, um, yeah, you
0: had mentioned that that forest sequence was fairly um iconic or yeah well-known. absolutely uh, yeah.
1: especially the kiss itself, where he she's
0: suspended over over the, the trench, and, and, yeah, yeah over the trench. her, yeah, yeah. yeah, and
1: it's like an unbroken shot, like I don't know if they mm-hmm. just put a, a plank over the trench or what, but it's seemingly like. You know, flows very well. Yeah. steady cam and all that crap. Yeah. And then, um, you know, when he's in amongst, like, the uh, broken down houses and things, Ivan, Mm -hmm. and um, there's, like, the jagged edges, I think, are supposed to, like... They're all pointing toward center of of the frame. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. also they're supposed to, you know, give you the general feeling and the shadows and of wartime, you know, just the, uh, the harsh.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we're definitely talking about a guy who, I mean, I think all it's of it's all them, deliberated. Of course. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who is very consciously setting up every shot and the focus, like the, I don't know, uh, wh- one of the things technically that I wanted to go read about, you know, when we're a- after this or when I get a chance soon is, I'm just curious about how they elements of how the about elements of how they shot that with just like they had there were these scenes where you had like three different layers uh, in terms of the um, the placement, uh, the blocking of where people and objects were. and Everything mm-hmm. just seemed in focus like yeah. all the time. Yeah. I was like, how is he even doing
1: this? Yeah. Know? That's ter- that's one of his signatures. Like you'll see in other films like he'll have um, Birds. Like flying by in the background as he's having like the most important thing in a dialogue, and then a house is burning down. It's like, how like how are they all getting of, all of, and everything's perfectly in focus? And yeah. it's like, but apparently, he and his uh, cinematographer and I don't know if it was the Yusef guy we were just looking up, but uh, probably yeah, it was probably him. But uh, there's stories of him uh, and Tarkovsky just out in the field setting up their tripod just for hours. Oh uh, yeah! Waiting for specific lighting, waiting for things to happen. That sounds in, in about nature, right. Yeah, and just like going yeah. 48 hours straight, waiting for the perfect shot, and then calling people out of the trailer. You know?
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and, like uh, just
1: Jimmy rigging things to burn and like uh-huh. certain amounts of time, and just uh, like there's a there's a really famous shot in the mirror where um, they go from inside one house, um, like panning across through the rooms to uh, the deck looking out onto another house that's burning down in the rain. In which movie? Uh, The mirror. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, like, there's, like, some, like, people run away from the, like, children run away from the table to go see the burning house. And, like, ten seconds after they run away, uh, something rolls off the table and the camera stays there. And it's, like, there's no possible way they could have timed that thing rolling off the table, and then started cutting like oh I see It just had to happen that way, and they yeah. kept it you know yeah like,
0: yeah actually I was just reading this week about uh, a a really interesting happening in the in the uh, the film Children of Men, which is that adaptation that uh, Alfonso Cuaran and yeah and uh, there's this there was the the one of these really elaborate. Long, super long takes, a very famous scene from that movie where I think Clive Owen has the kid or whatever it is. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's just like in the middle of a war zone and there's this super long unbroken take and it was their last chance. Apparently they had no more time. They, One time they got through it and the cameraman tripped and it took six hours to reset up the way that he wanted to do Mm -hmm. it. And they had tried that twice. And it was like, this is it. According to the schedule and the producers, this is our last chance. And during the take, some blood, fake blood obviously, spatters onto the lens of the camera. And apparently Queron was like, irate like I can't believe that this shot just got fucked up or whatever and then all in a moment his cinematographer or whoever it was was like elated and they were like no 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 like come and you know look at this or look at these dailies or whatever and they realized that couldn't have planned that you know obviously this, this ca- uh, blood spatter on mm-hmm. the actual lens but when they went back and looked at it they were like brilliant like absolutely keeping it in and it's kind of like a lot of people talk about that as a real interesting um it's exactly what we're what you're saying one of these happenings where directors that are um already taking great care to to get these shots and these auteur type directors sometimes something just lucks out beyond that mm-hmm. and uh works in their favor which i've heard of happening in many
1: yeah i mean i feel like famous I've heard of movies only because I know, I feel like I know music history slightly better, but I feel uh-huh. like I'm hearing, heard that, heard, um, like when you talk about George Martin, uh, recording the Beatles, uh, uh-huh. things like that happening, like feedback, uh, happy um, accidents or whatever. Yeah. Happy accidents yeah. and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Like the, the, yeah, the feedback thing on, I, I think feel that's, fine or something like that. I think like that's that.
1: sort of a secret weapon of like the top, top filmmakers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've I've come across it like um keeping oh. stuff in, you know. Yeah, and things just kind and of happen. Claiming happening. you intended it? You know. I'm sorry. Claiming you intended it? Yeah, well, you could, but I think that, that a lot of those, you know, I don't think they necessarily like make need to make what you will of that, you know. Yeah, and sometimes it's fun to just admit that you it was like you didn't plan it and it was really cool. Like I think it was on I watched that uh, HBO newer HBO documentary called Spielberg Mm-hmm. I think that was what this was on, but again, there was just one of these weird shots where there was a re- somebody's reflection in the window, and the the their, they didn't plan on the reflection there being moisture on the window, and it totally distorted their face in the window, and it just looked amazing and psychedelic and perfect. And yeah, they're like, "Wow!" Like we never could have planned that, but then you go back and you watch it, and you are like this director is an absolute genius like they yeah. they got the window moistened up in such a way that his reflection is this kind of psychedelic warped image in which means you know yeah. that his his, his his you know whatever however you want to interpret that probably a lot of people watch it and they project their thoughts onto what the director meant by it when in fact it was again unplanned in fact you know interesting. Yeah, I think it, uh, it's actually making me recall like a moment in Ivan's
1: childhood when um, Tarkovsky shot uh, Ivan talking to the lieutenant and the lieutenant was in the mirror. Yeah. and I was thinking like... I remember that, that. That was almost as square as you could possibly get onto a mirror without showing the camera. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought yeah. that was probably a difficult shot in itself. Well, uh,
0: again, like you say, I'm sure that I, and I will have maybe a bit more, I definitely want to see some more of his movies and I'll probably read a bit about him. but I'm sure this is a guy, like you say, that this stuff was very calculated and probably had a great relationship with his, uh, his photographer and they probably just were into it and, uh, going for it and spending a lot of time setting up shots and, and thinking them out and, uh, it's pretty cool. When that happens, when, when you get someone putting that much care into it, it's, uh, you can't fake that and it like, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's always fun to watch that when, uh, you know, like that shot in the first season of True Detective, did you see that, uh, yeah. that whole crazy, you know, the famous man, actually extended shot of the built, the, the, that's actually the, not, a um, the, the neighborhood and all the houses or whatever it was, it,
1: it kind of did have a, like the, the, um the decor was almost similar to true detective you know in what in in ivan's childhood you know okay the the thing the way things were swampy and sparse yeah and um yeah yeah yeah, i don't know just when you said that i was like man ivan's childhood kind of if it wasn't black if one one and or the other were black and white or color you know
0: yeah i uh, suppose i mean there's the yeah there was it was in the southern u.s or whatever um but yeah this was swampy this was a swampy one i feel like
1: uh yeah we'd be doing uh, this movie a disservice if we didn't talk about like ptsd and (laughs) how uh obviously ivan had ptsd and oh yeah Uh he's like that scene where he was like clearly talking about like there's like a coat hung and he's like, yeah,
0: ready to stab at the coder, saying like, "I'll have you
1: go to trial."
0: You know? Yeah, he's he's having terrible dreams, and then the moment that the uh, the the adults in the film leave him alone, he's just he's he's descending into just sort of yeah madness, madness, and he's dealing with trauma. And then and, yeah, dark, immediately bleak. after, bleak.
1: immediately after they start shelling the actual place that he's in, and they go in to say like don't Don't worry yeah and And he's he's like like, i'm fine yeah no don't worry just i'm not afraid just some I was more afraid of that coat you hung up there yeah no he was messed
0: up yeah yeah he's what a a performance like i do feel like much like i've said uh, yeah no great performance much like i've said on this on this podcast before though i feel like we need something maybe a little bit lighter next time just to balance things off, it was another bleak one. It was another I know you thought it was Ernest Goes to Camp, but. Uh, it was another humorless, bleak, slow <laughs> journey into madness and death and destruction. And it was like you were saying before, that's what life is. Oh, yeah. You we were saying something about that.
1: You were saying, we were talking about a script oh
0: right and then mm-hmm. you said oh you know sa- like, it sounds kind of tragic and i just went yeah no because
1: you were talking about a comedy that's and I was what like, life sounds is. like a tragic
0: comedy you're like yeah like life <laughs> <laughs> oh like, boy oh. um well no i mean i really liked this one um i look forward to watching more of his movies um uh but again it's uh, there's a it's, little bit of that thing that we've had on this show before we come back from it and i'm like having a little bit couple more heavier sips of my drink or just like oh man like and it's gonna have to it's gonna have to resonate, as I said, but I I know that what I saw was pretty humorless and bleak and well, dark. And
1: uh, I I agree that the um the narrative was, but I guess like think about like the accomplishment film wise of like a thirty year old oh yeah know, film student absolutely just
0: smashing together all those shots it's and it's, those plot lines. It's really amazing and, and um, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I I kind of want to know a bit more about him and like. Even contextually, you know, what I don't I don't really know what it would mean for someone like uh, Tarkovsky to be going through film school in, say, the the late 50s or the 50s. Like Mm -hmm. what I I'm sure that whatever was going on in Russia in the 50s in terms of his day to days is is framing these type of to an extent, framing these type of um, introspective, dark. You know, I mean, it's post-war, it's post-war Russia. So, uh, you know, right off the bat, it's like it wasn't World War II didn't end that long before this and the fallout of that. But I'd be curious to know what else was going on, you know, in a teenage or or, 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 uh, uh, Tarkovsky in his 20s. Like what what would be going on in Russia that might frame this type of like. the Cold War. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, other than, yeah, I just wondered day to day, you know, what he would have been dealing with and how hard it would have been to. I mean, was he privileged or would, have been, would it have been hard to, to, well, his to, dad to was go a, after a film career in Russia? His dad in the was 50s? a famous poet. Oh, that helps. Yeah. He's like the Lena well, Dunham of post war, <laughs> Cold um, War Russia.
1: Lena <laughs> Dunham. Um, he was connected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i don't uh, i don't even know what she's up to now no i My the point Girls. the point being uh, if you didn't know she's born she's born into like a very connected her parents are both oh really they're both like really uh, like new york socialite artists like super no connected. i didn't know that yeah no um a, a great example of how connected lena Dun- Lena dunham is is i remember seeing an excerpt from a vogue magazine uh talking about the fall fashion lines And they interviewed Lena Dunham and her friend in Vogue about fall fashion lines when they were like 12 years old. And she's like chiming in like because her parents, because of who her parents were. Like they're probably friends with the editor editor, of Vogue. And she's so worldly at 12 years old that like Vogue is already talking to her. And she's like, well, here, I think this about this designer this fall and this collections a little. And you're like, oh, okay, That explains how she ends up like, you know. Uh, how somebody like that—that's talented—you married you marry those type of connections and that type of upbringing with talent. And it's like you had a pretty good shot. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know? um, but his dad was a poet. Like I don't know that. how much money Russian
1: poets made. <laughs> yeah, but, any um, poet. Yeah. Arseny Tarkovsky was his father, and he had like a couple books. But oh, um,
0: okay. So you wow, you go deep with Tarkovsky. You know what's going on. Yeah. His dad's um, name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a cool name.
1: I'm good. I'm pretty good with name. Well, I tell you about the director's parents. Whoa. (laughs) But yeah, no. Well, the mirror, it it comes up a lot because the mirror is kind of autobiographical. I see. And um, he's like reading his father's poem. His father might even be reading his poems. Okay. Okay. Through the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's why he had to make... um, some more marketable films after that because he sure. just pieced together this collage about his life and mm-hmm. his father's poems and about his mother and wife and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Moss Film was like, what, the, what is this horse shit? And yeah. And he was like, this is a, my poem. And they're like, yeah, can you make something in space or like... Half marketable? Yeah, yeah. can you make something with some guns? Uh, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I'll have like two guns shoot in Stalker
0: maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Um, well, I'm sure he always occupied a place that would be considered to be pretty art house or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, he was
1: trying to make statements as much as he could. And, um, he was very selective with what he adapted. I mean, he, you're asking before about the screenplay. Like, did he write the screenplay? Um, I think for the majority of his works, he adapted, stuff mm. or like he had people adapt things like or the original
0: author it looks like things. in the case of what we just watched he co-wrote the screenplay with the original author so they adapted it together with a third a yeah third person there you want to take a stab at his name i don't with the original <laughs> author i don't vladimir Bogomol- <laughs> Bogomolov. A bogomola oh this is the boogeyman <laughs>
1: um vladimir <laughs> bogomolov <the> uh <laughs> no we just completely
0: undercut him uh, oh well invalidated a fucking dumb russian name no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, uh, no uh, no i mean I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and act like i'm embarrassed because i can't pronounce every russian name perfectly yeah <laughs> what do you think it is bogomolov bogomolov yeah yeah, yeah something like that right so they adapted it together from his book. But yeah, and, no, he... um, uh, It won the Super Bear. The Super Bear. <laughs> that makes me want gummy bears. Um, okay.
1: But yeah, I know um, Solaris as well. He wanted the original author to write the screenplay. And uh-huh. He had them rewrite it like nine times, ten times, oh. until they wrote out all of the until they science just wrote, fiction. Fuck you on a piece of paper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All work and no play makes Andre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he just had them write out all the fantasy until it was just like bare bones symbolism and narrative. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's, uh, so
0: he he's one of these people with a vision, and he's demanding. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. And, he yeah. doesn't. I haven't heard as many. I shouldn't say as many. I haven't heard
1: like the uh, you know dictatorial like asshole kind of director About stories. Him? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. he was pretty slight. He was like five foot seven, and oh, okay, um,
0: he had one of those like seventies mustaches. I remember that much. I've seen you know yeah. i've I've seen some pictures of him, and I remember him and, uh, mustachioed.
1: Yeah, I always picture um a lot of Russian guys being like <laughs> really deep, you know.
0: But what um, their voice being deep?
1: Yeah. But, but his uh-huh. voice is very, <laughs> very high, very chill. He's very like this. <laughs> I sound like Borat.
0: He kind of kind of like, you're describing kind of what I imagine Roman Polanski would have been like when he was making movies short and like a little bit higher pitched voice. Yeah. And, uh, is he not still making movies? Um, I know yeah. he's not supposed to be allowed. Well, he's not allowed to come to the US or whatever. And, you know, he'd be arrested promptly. <laughs> yeah. But we don't need <laughs> to get into that. Imagine if he just
1: like... Won an Oscar, came, grabbed the statue, and then had like one of those Rodney well, King, like, <laughs> woo woo with the Bronco. Just
0: oh, I like he had a like uh, his all of these the escorts window. and uh, a police escort and uh, Polish police <laughs> are there for some reason. No, I mean, like, there, there was like a uh,
1: what do they call that when there's a car chase on TV?
0: Uh huh. You know, what do you mean? Just isn't it a car a, chase on TV? Isn't that what it's called?
1: I think it is called that. Yeah, uh, actually.
0: Or no, you mean what is the term for when all of the cars are together and they're protecting the car in the middle? Or what? Wh- <laughs> no. What are you talking about? No, that's getting elaborate. I think I just
1: meant a car chase, oh. like the Rodney. Or no, yeah. why not why did I say okay. Rodney King? I meant OJ Simpson.
0: Well, we can always fade out before Something this 90s. Roman Polanski joke goes sideways. um yeah no uh what do you think is there anything uh, did you want to add anything else i just
1: wanted to mention one quick note about the podcast itself yeah oh that's a great idea uh the music that everybody's been hearing uh at the start is a song called don't Look That Way at It by this band I love White Denim. White Denim,
0: yeah. And, and you actually know them. You, kn- you know them, right, or something? No, or? I
1: don't know them. I wish I, I'd, I wish I knew them. Okay, but so we're uh, using
0: the music without their permission at this point. Yeah, hopefully oh. they're gonna okay. listen to this. And
1: uh, know how much I love them. And the
0: song at the end is another song of theirs called At
1: Night in Dreams.
0: I am not kidding. I had created a narrative in my head where you knew them personally and had asked for their permission. No, I'm totally
1: going to try to get a hold of them and be like, Yeah, okay. Yo, guys. uh, Yeah. Okay. You should. You should maybe send him a message. I'm sure
0: they're not that hard to get a hold but, of. But
1: uh, yeah, they discovered Leon Bridges, so I figured they're probably good discovered. guys.
0: Discovered what? What was he? He he was in a Walmart. He was singing and buying clothes so in a Walmart.
1: Really close. He was like in a bar that they were. Um, he was oh. singing in a bar that they were. Well, just he was mopping like the floor a with at. a hairnet on.
0: <laughs> Hear that guy's voice. <laughs> <laughs> you just ate your head. So he. Uh, so, back. So, so they uh, discovered him dresser. actually singing in a bar. These white denim guys, Leon Bridges, yeah, the drummer and wow. the lead guitarist. Wow. Huh, that's cool. Well, that. Yeah, thank I you can do for, a music podcast. Let's. Thanks, White Denim, for, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for preemptively <laughs> not preemptively letting us use thanks, your guys. music. Um. Also, we should say, I guess we have. What do we have? An Instagram and a Twitter, and it's all at Desperately Seeking Cinema, right? Yeah. So follow our bullshit on there, and then Patreon, find us yeah, on Patreon. Yeah, to get that on the Seeking go. Cinema, that's... Yeah, I mean that that'll be up Might by do the time. Might DS cinema as well if there's uh, uh, a. Oh, it should be. Yeah, well, we can clarify, but I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, we'll have the Patreon up. Get us verified, blue check, blue check. Oh man, wouldn't that be something to to become a, a fully verified member of society? Verified, <laughs> verified as a person. Verified, and uh, at that point you are. Uh, what what am I trying to say? Yeah, if you're verified, then you're. You're, off, you're you're the real the deal. Matrix. No, then you're um oh, I can't. I'm not being very eloquent about it. I don't have anything or to say. Or it. will never get verified this way. No, I just think it's funny. Yeah. I just think it's a funny thing the verification. thing. it's such an odd separation between people. It is. It's, it's so funny. It's a high, it's very high schoolish. Isn't it's it? Like, yeah, it's kind know. of
1: the epitome of 2019, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like in terms of social media. And stuff, yeah, people yeah.
1: just people are just
0: vying for this thing that's just like, oh nothing. yeah, oh you're legitimized. That's what I was trying yeah. to say. You're you're not truly legitimized until you're verified. Now you're 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 a you mean something. Yeah, you're, like you know, well, yeah, just write to Zuckerberg and get us that verified. Oh boy, as if anyone cares about facebook being verified on facebook at this point whatever there is who's the yeah. he's
1: the only guy i know is well, there another the, guy the
0: twitter verification is what you really and the insta oh no that's a good point he owns uh he owns instagram as well we digress though yeah we digress right.
1: desperately seeking cinema check that yeah. out yeah
0: thanks very much for listening